This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Jenna X is joining us on this Tuesday. And we got Andrew Cashflow, or sorry, not this Tuesday, this Monday. And we got Andrew Cashflow in the building as well. So very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the Bank of England completed its ISO migration this week, unlocking the ability to utilize digital assets. As Ripple is now tokenizing real estate in Hong Kong, taking a massive step forward in synchronizing global finance. The SEC states Coinbase knew it was operating illegally, as former SEC Chair Jay Clayton has been activated by Bitcoin enthusiasts, now going on CNBC, stating times have changed for crypto. The Bank of International Settlements has come out in support of private currencies built for instant payments, stating this is a key factor in unlocking a global economy. And with the largest institutions on the planet entering this market, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny, I think I hit that live this morning. I am feeling like Bruce Buffer. And we already got 149 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling great. Happy Monday to everybody. I keep thinking it's Tuesday, too, because I saw Jenna here, and I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday. Jenna Tuesday. But anyway, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs. Hopefully, you all had a great weekend. That was a lot of good news. Can't wait to hop into it. Great to see Andrew and, and, and Jenna here today. Andrew Cashflow, it's always a pleasure to have you back. So first of all, what's on your mind, and how are you feeling this morning? Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon here from the Netherlands. Uh, beautiful summer weather near the beach, so uh, uh, it, it, it's excellent here. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a great show again. Apps almost always say you are you have such a great preparation and I'm always loving to do the show with you. And of course, today with uh, the special guest Jenna and uh, 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 Johnny, you, you also, uh, I'm loving uh, to be here in the team. As they say, guys, show me the chart and I'll tell you the news. Well, we have great news today, so we had to call out the reinforcements. Jenna X, <laughs> thanks for being here and how you feeling? It's not Tuesday, it is Monday. You know what? I'm so excited to get another day with you guys this week. So that's super exciting. I've never been on with Andrew Cashflow, so I'm really excited to be able to be on with him today. And oh my goodness, awesome discussions last night in the Merlin Twitter space. I cannot wait for the next one. It was just so cool talking about Fed now, these Bitcoin ETFs, everything in meeting people from other communities. So awesome stuff, guys. I'm excited for today. We're excited to have you here, Jenna. And for anybody who doesn't know, we're going to be talking about a currency called XPR. Do not go out and buy this thing, but we're going to be talking about the connections they have to Fed now later in this week. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. I'm at about 4,700 followers giving updates throughout the day. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. 
The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto, sitting at a 56. But when we check out some of the daily movers, it's mostly red across the board. We got BNB token up about 4.5% and Hex token up about 4%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 50% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 30200 Ethereum, 1800 XRP is $0.47, cents, and Cardano sitting down here at 28. And Jenna, we got a lot of great news to get into, but I do want to pull up this quick tweet before we get into our articles. Bitcoin had reached temporary highs in July of 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2021. In each of these years, the price of Bitcoin went on to reach a new all-time high in November or December. We are witnessing the same thing today. So with that being said, Jenna, do you think we're going to get a repeat here? We are seeing that uh, we're reaching temporary highs right now for Bitcoin with a $30,000 price. What does that mean to you? Uh, I don't necessarily think that I believe that this year it's going to hit its all time high. I was thinking probably like next year, but it always seems like it is an odd year, doesn't it? So I don't know. Anything could happen, guys. I'm not your TA girl. If you want to get in, CCIN, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And Johnny Crypto, we might as well call you Johnny email this morning. I do see you're occupied, but give me your thoughts here. The Bitcoin price chart's doing something very interesting. Created a solid double bottom here at about 16000 and has done nothing but increase in price since then. Now we got these massive catalysts, and we're going to talk about this later in the episode. BlackRock officially chose Coinbase, and Fidelity chose Coinbase as their surveillance custody partner. That's just another big catalyst for Bitcoin here. So what are you witnessing, and what are you anticipating till the end of the year? I want everybody to take a magic marker or take a screenshot, but throw it on your screen. See that flat line right there? Write the word smart money. Because that is when the smart money, yeah, right there, Abs. That's when the smart money buys. So if you remember, if we fast forward, never mind, if we rewind back to, yeah, December, or November, November, December of 2022, everybody was fudded and feared out. Fear index was down there, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, where the hell we were. Whole world saying everything's a scam, FTX blowing up, right? And all, all the smart money was buying. You buy when it feels ugly. When you want to puke, when there's blood in the streets. Now, the smart money does what? Now it just sits and it waits patiently, patiently for this. Little bit. And they don't want 2x, okay? This thing, they're going to sit and wait patiently. This old bitch is going to go to 5, 6, 7x, somewhere in that range once this Bitcoin ETF gets approved, in my opinion. Not right away, don't get me wrong. Point is, that will unlock the floodgates of liquidity. And I think you're going to see a huge, huge lift in the price. I don't know if that's going to happen this year or next year. My guess is this will all happen right around the timing of the next bull run and through the next bull run where we're just going to get a hyper, hyper inflation of, and I shouldn't have said the word inflation, a hyper rise in the BTC price. Kind of like what you showed with the gold ETF when that got approved. I think you're going to see something like that happening with Bitcoin as well at some point in the next one, two or three years. And Andrew, for anybody who doesn't know, when they launched the gold ETF back in 2004, the price of gold was $400. It then went on to touch just below two grand until we reached our infinite bear market here. 13 years later, we're still below that $2,000 price. And Andrew, I'm excited to get your take on this first video we're going to play. This is former SEC chairman Jay Clayton describing how times have changed not only for Bitcoin, but for crypto overall. 15, 16, this is an offshore retail, nothing close to what I would say the core of our financial markets. At that time, if you look at trading of Bitcoin, the emergence of Bitcoin, it looked like, it looked like stocks, but it was nothing like it. Now we've seen a development all the way to the point where companies whose reputation in the market matters are saying, you know what, we think that trading, we think that the custody, we think that those protections around this market are sufficient that we're willing to put our name on it and offer that product. That's actually an incredible development, not one that I expected. Um, I was very skeptical of trading in, in the Bitcoin market when I was um, SEC chair. I thought, you know, there were studies that 90% of it was wash trading, ripe for manipulation and the like, large people dumping. You know, the fact that we have these institutions that know markets better than, than anybody and are saying, you know, we're going to put our reputation behind it, I, I find that pretty remarkable. So, Andrew, it's no coincidence at all that the second we see BlackRock, Fidelity, and JP Morgan excited about Bitcoin, guys like Jay Clayton go on to CNBC and start promoting the product. So before I give my two cents, I'd love to hear yours. What do you think is really going on here? Jay Clayton was very anti-crypto during his time at the SEC, but now he's stating times have changed. 
you know, when I see, when I hear the, the, the name J, I always uh, hear in my mind, I hear nay or no, you know, and that's, that, that's how I remember this guy. And I, I don't trust him at all because the day before Christmas, two years ago, you know, he, he sued uh, uh, Ripple and then uh, uh, um, Gary Gensler had, had to come in and, and, and do the dirty work. And now he is promoting crypto. You know, it is so, yeah, corrupt and, and so uh, it, now it's hyped up. But you know what? We, we understand the game and let's take advantage of this game. And, and you know, or will it go up immediately? You talked about gold and the gold ETF. That also took a lot, a lot of time before the gold ETF was approved those years ago. And I, th I also expect it from, uh, from Bitcoin. However, what I see in the market, you know, I'm also trading uh, or, or investing in, in stocks and also invest, for example, in HUD. HUD is an, uh, a, a mining company and, and a stronghold digital holding is a mining company. Those stocks are up more than 100% in three, four weeks. So there is really something happening at the moment. But, you know, don't be too happy at this moment. I would say first you also we have to wait uh, about the, the halvening and then maybe we will go we'll, we will see this uh, this uh, this bull run. Johnny Crypto, we had a great conversation last night and it had to do with this gold chart in particular. Back in 2004 is when the first gold ETF was launched and for anybody watching on YouTube you can see it. The price of gold went from $400 in 2004 all the way to just below 2 grand in 2011. Well what happened since then? Nothing but a bear market, guys. We've been hyper suppressed and we can talk about manipulation. But Johnny, what I do want to draw the comparison to here, he stated now that companies like Fidelity, BlackRock, the biggest names on the planet are ready to back Bitcoin. So are the institutions. So are the regulatory bodies. Guys like Jay Clayton are going to change their stance. I think it's only a matter of time till Gary Gensler does the same thing. So the question I have for you is, are you anticipating similar price action when we get an ETF? Will we see a three or four X in the Bitcoin price chart just from that catalyst over the next couple of years? Uh, yeah, over the next couple of years, of course. I think so. Um, I literally have been saying that on this show every freaking day. So I totally believe that. I, I And I actually talked about this last night in the Merlin Spaces. Guys, if you missed that, go back and watch it. There was some great, great discussion. But we talked about one of the things is we, we talked about there was there was going they're going to switch the narrative. So the narrative has been, you know, FUD and crypto's bad and bad. But once everything is in position and all the, the real financial institutions, they're not the word real, but you know what I mean, the big financial institutions that weren't playing originally in the small crypto baby sandbox, now they're upgrading that sandbox now. It's no longer the kitty sandbox. Now it's the big boy sandbox, and they're going to own that thing. And that's when the narratives will begin to change. Now, if you remember, I taught a class or we did a, did, did a presentation at Coach's Academy if you remember, you got to see that. And we showed you how first the big money gets in and then the institutional money and then the narratives change later. So that's why I pointed out on that chart. So important to notice when the big money gets in, because then thereafter, that's when the narratives start to switch. And you're literally seeing it play out. That's why I'm so excited, Abs, because we're in a space that right now. We're in that in that period, the lull period before they spin the narrative and everything skyrockets now. That's going to take some time. I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow. It's going to be over the next year or two, three years. But, man, I think we're going to see a monster bull run. And then I agree with the guys in the Merlin chat. I think after that, the, re the remaining bull runs will be more normalized because it's no longer going to be a speculative thing like it was in the past. Absolutely, guys. And we got 300 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Jenna, we had a great conversation yesterday talking about Fed now. What we understood is that it's not going to be a catalyst for cryptocurrency to begin with. But the rails are being set up for CBDCs. I'd like to compare that to what's happening with Bitcoin today. Although we may not get immediate price action from a Bitcoin ETF, I think two or three years from now, we're going to look back at the summer of 2023 and say this is when the mass adoption started. So to close us out on that Bitcoin topic, do you agree? Is this the beginning of mass adoption for Bitcoin with the ETF launches? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, because you have everybody in the traditional, you know, TradFi that's like, waiting to come in and this ETF just kind of makes it a safer way to do it for them and lets them know, hey, this is okay. This is a good investment and you're just going to see it more and more and more. But I just wonder if we're going to get to the point where, you know, 
all you're able to do is trade derivatives of Bitcoin, not actually be able to own it. So I think that it would be very prudent to be able to start stacking if you can, um, just so it doesn't get to that point. But at the same point in time, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that this is um, going to help with adoption 100%. Andrew Castle, I'd love to get some closing thoughts. Yeah, you know, what would be interesting to see, we know that gold and silver is highly manipulated. It's, it's all sold on paper. And there is much more sold than, than there is that is available in, in physical form. So I'm wondering, well, how will this play out when Bitcoin will be uh, uh, officially be traded in an ETF? That there will be parties, they, they will sell more than they own. And one way or the other, it should become visible. There is only 21 million Bitcoins available. And if more is, is sold, I mean, I think we will, uh, uh, yeah, we will, we will looking forward to interesting times when Bitcoin is manipulated in the future. Johnny Crypto, we talk a lot about this. If you're going to hold gold or Bitcoin for the next 10 years, I've obviously said Bitcoin and you've stated gold. Does this no. Gold no, no, for the next 10 years? Hell no. I want a Bitcoin for the next 10 years, just for the record. Well, I take my question back then. With that being said, guys, we're going to well, move right along. Yeah, so let me say this while we're talking, just to close this section out. Okay. One thing people can do, you know, Bitcoin's kind of expensive, right? One of the things you can do to get exposure to Bitcoin is look at same thing like with gold. You can buy gold or you can buy the gold miners, you know, and if you look now, there are actual companies out there you can go buy in the stock market today that are miners. I think the miners also will have a huge go look at the miner charts in the last bull run. They almost did the same exact thing. They went up and came down 90%. You can actually buy them now at about 80 to 90% discount. So I'm not gonna, I'm not financial advisor, I'm not financial advisor, so I'm not going to say any of the ones there. But you guys can simply Google Bitcoin miners, you know, publicly traded stock companies, and you'll find a list of them. And that's another way. So I'm just throwing an idea out there for people to go do their homework. That's another way to get exposure to Bitcoin. And I believe the, the coming blow on price appreciation is – you don't have to go buy $30,000. You can buy a smaller portion. And I actually think you can make a much bigger return in the miners. So again, just an idea. That's what I'm doing. You guys can go research and check it out. But it is something else. Another way to get exposure to Bitcoin. Guys, I'd love to get the live chat involved here. Put a one in the live chat if you think gold is better to hold over the next 10 years. Put a two in the live chat if you think Bitcoin. And for a lot of people, it might be obvious. But when we listen to guys at BlackRock, when we listen to Larry Fink and, and Jay Clayton, they claim it's a debate, so I do want to hear from our listeners. But we got 321 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. One of the biggest topics of discussion is, does BlackRock already own Bitcoin? Well, we're about to answer that question after this brief video. Here we go. Bitcoin, it's technology to transact. I know a lot of people hold Bitcoin. You don't hold Bitcoin, right? I don't own anything other than mutual funds and, and BlackRock, yeah, and BlackRock Black shares. Okay, but you see what I'm saying? It, you know, there's been advancement. You know, people... It, it, so I just wanted to play that brief clip. What did he say there, Johnny? He owns nothing but BlackRock and ETF shares. Well, let's Google something live on air for our listeners right now. Does BlackRock own MicroStrategy? Mm. Right? No, so you can actually ask it how much your MicroStrategy owns. So it owns BlackRock currently owns 8.1% of Michael Saylor's company and MicroStrategy. So what does that mean? Of the 140,000 Bitcoin that the company owns, 8% of those basically indirectly are owned by BlackRock. So, Johnny, I just wanted to get some brief comments and we'll keep the work going. Well, not necessarily 8 you know, 8% of the company of the total assets. So, it, but some portion of it, yes. But so, yeah, I mean, to me, that's that. <laughs> I guess he asked him, do you own it? And he personally doesn't own it. He said he owns BlackRock. And so from through back BlackRock, he obviously owns a good chunk of it. So I think at the end of the day, he stands, you know, his company will stand to gain, no question about it. Um, and ultimately, yeah, you know, he will too. But again, no, no surprise here with any of this stuff. Just do the homework and you can see where people have placed bets and abs. This is why, you know, I'm not a Bitcoin master by any means, but I want to have some exposure to Bitcoin, right? Because for me, you know, some people, a lot of people in our channel, they get attached to all these coins. I don't. I get attached to um, price appreciation, things that can go up, things that have a good potential to go up in the future for, for different reasons. Some may be utility, 
So maybe because in this case, you know, what could be potentially thought as digital gold. If you believe and have conviction that something's going to go up, then you should, you know, you should invest a small portion. As Andrew says, put two to $500 and then see what happens, right? You, you take a bet. And man, I was talking to somebody this weekend, a family member who put like, I don't know, 500 bucks, maybe 300 bucks into a doge back in 2017, 18, whenever it came out. So he made like 30, 40 grand off of $300. So, I mean, the point is, you know, and I guess that's why people get really, really excited about cryptocurrency. And I'm not saying that's the norm. It's not. But you put a couple hundred dollars in it if you believe in it and, and you see where these things go. To me, I think that is an effective uh, investing strategy. And by the way, you can check out Andrew Cashflow and his investing strategy in the academy. But we'll let him talk more about his project. Absolutely, guys. And we got 325 listeners here. Smash that like button. We got a lot of videos prepared for today. But this one, I really think is the most important. And for anybody who's here for the Ripple News, Ripple does have some massive news out of Hong Kong this week as they began tokenizing real estate on the XRPL. And they are using XRP as the liquidity between these assets. So very exciting, not only for Ripple, but for the XRP community as well. This is a video I'm excited to share with our listeners. The Bank of International Settlements said the most complex assets of solving interoperability is having a third-party currency built to facilitate liquidity. What does that mean, Johnny Crypto? We're talking XRP. We're talking Quant Network here. Here we go. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, and I think when we talk about interoperability, we can we can see it at least in three different levels. So the first level is how we manage domestic interoperability. So how we generate this digital currency solution and make this speak with the other things that are out there. Uh, in a little bit in, in the idea of generating a platform so that everyone can connect to that platform and take advantage of the huge uh, network externalities that we can get out of there. The second level is how do we manage cross-border transactions even within the same currency. And that presents a, a certain level of challenges there. But when we talk about cross-currency and cross-border, then we face a, a completely difficult, a difficult and different environment. And we can see three dimensions here. One is the technical dimension. So how we manage to get a system that speaks in a certain cryptographic language to speak with another that speaks another slightly different language. So that is one a level of complexity. We need to get the technologies to speak to each other. The messaging element is fundamental. The second dimension, which is much more complicated to solve. So that one, the first one was the easy one, okay? And the, there is a lot of money that is being put in terms of, of trying to solve these technical issues of, of interoperability. Now, the second one is more complicated. It has to do with liquidity. So imagine that you have a pair of currencies for which there is not a, a complementary demand. You need to go and uh, search for a third-party uh, currency in order to make this, uh, this settlement actually happen. And this really complicates things. Uh, so we need to put pieces of technology that can uh, make more efficiency this use of liquidity so that more transactions can be settled. The third dimension... So I want to pause it there, Johnny, because I think you said something so important. Liquidity is going to be one of the biggest issues when it comes to instant payments. And in order to solve that problem, you need something outside of the native currency to access that liquidity. That's where XRP comes into play. And we had a great discussion last night. Ripple is centralizing the XRPL. They're putting retail investors to the side. I disagree, and we're going to talk about it now. But first, I'd like to hear from the members of the group. What stuck out to you most about this video? Well, I think the, mo the part I like the most is how he's actually describing all three elements that need to be solved. He literally just gave away. I don't want to say the secret sauce because he's not telling you what they're doing to solve for it. But he's telling you where the critical components are that need to be solved for. And what you and we, we all need to do is try to figure out what are those potential blockchains that can solve those three different areas and then frankly you're not going to get it right on your first guess and that's why you're going to want to make sure that you're investing in some of the different technologies that can meet and solve those needs for each one of those individual challenges like one he talked about was liquidity right well we know with the odl ripple is one potential solution and option for that we heard last night also that there's other solutions from, from the group of uh, you know proton and metal or so whatever well, i'm sure we'll get into those so there's other solutions out there as well that could potentially solve for that and then obviously as you heard they got to talk to each other right that's why i've been so bullish on things like quant and in link because again we need that interoperability where all these chains so no surprise it's kind of it's kind of refreshing to hear him say what we've been kind of the things we've been talking about all this time those are the things that need to be solved perhaps Andrew and Jenna, I'd like to get your thoughts as well. We are about to discuss the revolution in real estate happening right now, and it's beginning with Ripple. But let's stay focused on that video here, Jenna. What, is, what caught your attention? The fact that the biggest settlement uh, company on the planet, the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, is stating that they need private currencies. It's the first time we've ever seen something like this. What's that mean to you? 
I don't know. The whole time he was talking, all I could just think about was like, oh, I feel like Ripple can solve your problem. So it just made me even more bullish, especially when he's talking about the on-demand liquidity and everything like that and the interoperability. And that's why, like Johnny, I'm thinking, okay, quant. So that's where I'm at on that. Andrew Castle, to close us out on this topic, before we get into Ripple's real estate deal, what do you think about the BIS acknowledging they need third-party currencies? We look at currencies like XRP and XLM. Those are the mainstream ones. But is there anything, I guess, lower cap that catches your attention? Um, yeah, you know, the, the, I think the power of, uh, of, of XRP and, and XLM is the, 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 the applications they are building currently around the, this, this coin. And, and, and the, the exposure they have in the meantime worldwide. And, and you know, it, it's not a small project anymore. And I'm, I'm sure many other cryptocurrencies can, can fulfill this intermediate function from one uh, uh, currency to another currency. And you need something in the middle, that's right. And, you know, there is a lot of, uh, there is a lot of XRP. So for that reason, yeah, I think it's a good development, but I'm also sure XRP is not the only one who can do this job. However, they are quite well positioned at the moment. Absolutely, guys. And we're going to get into this real estate article here. Ripple Labs advances the real estate tokenization with Hong Kong CBDC pilot, paving the way for the future of property investment. Tokenization of real estate assets in a recent development in Hong Kong are allowing CBDC pilot to be built on top of Ripple. An advisor on CBDC strategy for Ripple Labs stated tokenization represents the future of the real estate industry. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority announced last month that it plans to establish a CBDC and has initiated preparations for a launch. Ripple Labs revealed its selection as a participant for the pilot project, and the company stated that it had even been chosen by Hong Kong's Monetary Authority to aid in the development of a secure and private ledger for recording of their CBDC real estate transactions. They would, of course, be using the tokenization built up on top of the XRPL, and Ripple's CBDC platform will be utilized for the purpose of this technology. The managing director at Ripple emphasized the importance of CBDCs as a compelling use for blockchain technology. He stated that digital assets would undeniably become an integral part of future financial landscape. Ripple and more than 20 other central banks are regarding this technology are currently working on CBDCs. Real estate's tokenization, or yes, real estate tokenization involves the creation of digital tokens that represent physical land and properties leveraging the security of blockchain technology to establish ownership records. Tokenization offers numerous opportunities for the real estate sector in and of itself. Traditional obstacles such as lengthy payment times, complex paperwork, and high entry costs can be, can be lost with this aggression. By digitalizing this process, tokenization holds the potential to expedite transactions and enable fractional real estate ownership, unlocking new avenues of investment and funding for retail investors around the world. If we are talking about the tokenization of real estate, XRP is the number one technology built for this, unless you want to debate XLM. So to see it starting in China is concerning, but the fact that they're beginning this process is very exciting, Johnny. I'd love to start with you. How do you feel about uh, Ripple's product as a competitor to real estate? I could see something like this changing the market forever. Yeah, and I think, Abs, that the more use cases that Ripple can get their ODA, or I should say their ledger to be used for, the better, right? And, and so you don't want to ever be pigeonholed as a company into just using, you know, your technology being used for one specific thing. Not saying that's not bad, but you give your, your company a better chance to survive if you're, you're being used across multiple platforms and multiple use cases. And what you're seeing is a perfect example here of, you know, the there is going to be digitization and tokenization of everything, right? And so... Who's going to do that? What blockchains are going to do? It? Which ones are you know set up to do that? And it's very interesting, fascinating to hear that Ripple can can actually facilitate that because as we've all talked about, they're primarily were designed for cross border payment, completely different than tokenization. But the fact you know because you need yeah, I think you're going to need smart contract capability to do some of this, and I know the ledger doesn't have that yet, or they're working on it. But so nonetheless, very exciting to see that they're they're breaking into this space. I think there's going to be huge huge value to be unlocked here. And this can drive, you know, appreciation for the price for sure. Andrew Cashel, I'd love to get your thoughts. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, what, what I see with the tokenization of real estate, I, I will try to scratch your your, your your mind a little bit or to, to, to uh, yeah, maybe it's elastic enough. Imagine you, you can say, okay, I will put a full house or a full apartment on the blockchain and you can uh, exchange 
uh, this. You don't need lawyers anymore. Uh, it can also be proved on the blockchain. But imagine, cut that uh, apartment building in pieces and go so far that, for example, you say uh, you don't, do not have uh, individual uh, apartments, but you also have individual rooms or uh, maybe a heating system or a, a, a water system or whatever. You can all cut it up. And the, the, the fun part is, is that you can be an owner of just a, 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 a very small part of a building. Maybe only a window you can be an owner. However, if you say, okay, we are then owners with an enormous amount of people, then they are all on the blockchain. I can also imagine that you can outsource some, uh, some, some responsibilities of maintaining that building. So you give the builder a contract, that builder uh, outsources, for example, the heating system to another one, including the maintenance for the next so many years. And everything what happens on that on that system will also be recorded on that blockchain. So there will be so much openness and, 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 and possibilities with smart contracts. And I think there is so much uh, yeah, uh, uh, potential in this area. We, we cannot even grasp what, 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 what will be the future in uh, yeah, actually in a couple of years. And I'm excited to talk about this. And I'm going to kick it right back to you here. Ripple CBDC team is focusing on real world uses for a CBDC or a stable coin. Two real world use cases happening today. The pilot combines a hypothetical CBDC in Hong Kong with tokenized real estate and financial lending protocols. This allows users to tokenize their real estate as collateral for loans. And the solution will leverage Ripple CBDC platform, a secure, private, and permissioned ledger. Of course, XRP can be used for the interoperability here. So Jenna, floor is yours. Um, I think just to add on to what Andrew is saying, you know, he's saying like a, a ton of people can have their hands in the pot with one building and stuff like that. But I disagree. They would be like that. It seems too sticky, like having too many owners of one building. And I don't know that, you know, a lot of these sales are going to even be open to the public. I think it might be to, you know, a certain group of investors. So I do, I'm happy that they're expanding and that they're doing all these things and creating more use cases and stuff like that. But I just don't think it's going to be as easy as any Joe blow off the street, because why would you want to have like 150 different owners of one building or whatever it would be? You know what I mean? So. Interesting. Andrew, I'd love to give you a chance to respond and then we'll kick it to Johnny Crypto. Look, look at companies. They, they, they sell shares. I mean, we have millions of owners of co companies with, and you can buy the shares. In this, it's just about uh, how many rights do you get if you own a piece of, of a building? And, you know, so I think we will figure it out. And uh, I mean, the, 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 uh, often the major investors are front row to make the most money. And I hope also the, 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 the smaller investors and the retail investors also get a chance in the future to be a little bit more front row and make money uh, on, on that way. So, and it's, it's just, it's all depending about how you organize it. And, and I, I agree with you, Jenna, that it doesn't make sense to have 150 owners of a building and they all have the same rights and they all want to say something about it, you know? And we, are, we have excellent uh, 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 examples of companies with stocks and they also have a, 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 yeah, one, a yearly meeting, a, a stockholder meeting and that kind of stuff. So I think we will figure it out together. Absolutely. And Johnny, no, the way, oh, go ahead. The way it's, it'll probably work, Jenna, is similar to what you're saying, like a stock, where think about what will happen is you'll have, uh, it's just somebody owns a building, right? And says, hey, I want to tokenize it. I want to sell it. And the reason why they would do that is for primarily it's a way to cash out and get some equity back out of it. So you they take your building, you tokenize it, so you break it up into pieces, and then you can go ahead and sell uh, pieces of it that somebody will then have an ownership right, which they you would probably have to pay them something for that. But in return, you're getting uh, – it's a way to raise capital. However, this is a security. This is the thing that's been confusing to me. When you do that, that's, that's a security. So now you have to register with the SEC. There's so much that needs to be solved for right now in this space because just regular tokenization why would anybody want to buy something if they're not getting a return on it and if you're getting a return you're in the security land so to me all this stuff that somebody said in the chat there's so many different directions this has to go in but there's value there no doubt about it when you want to take money equity out and you know again just think of at your you know your tokenization bits would be literally if you bought the nft it's like buying a share 
um, you're going to own it. So it's going to come. It's going to be tokenized. It's going to be on the blockchain. But how it's all going to work and how it's going to be legally, I think that framework isn't here yet and still needs to be figured out. So I'm shocked that you're seeing all these tokenizations. And yet we don't have SEC clarity around how to even do it yet. So I, I will. This could be a very, very interesting way to see how. And, and John, imagine we see with young technology, it can be hacked. We see that also in the, in, in the blockchain thing. atmosphere. Yeah. And this this new technology, when when you divide a building in in uh, in, in particular pieces, that also will be hacked on the blockchain. So we will get exciting times in the future. Yeah, I think this was one of the, like the first conversations you and I ever had, Johnny. And I think like before um, I even came on this show, you and I were talking, and I was telling you how frustrated I was because I overheard um, a conversation, and they're going to be tokenizing this huge property and getting it um, appraised and everything like that but they were only going to open it up to accredited investors and i'm like this is crap like to me for someone who's not a normal everyday person who wants to be able to invest in this because you see the potential of where it's going and you know so i was just telling you i remember stressing how frustrated i was and that it would be like a security and everything yeah, well, Jenna, Jenna, that's me going, Johnny. And let me get you right back to you after this. We're talking about how real estate tokenization could be a huge catalyst, right? It's a, it's a drop in the bucket where the real money is, is tokenizing stocks and bonds and moving them onto these blockchains. You want to talk about $2 trillion in real estate? We're talking about hundreds of trillions when we talk about stocks and bonds. So with that being said, Johnny, floor is yours. No, Abs, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is just like, that's just the beginning. And once you get into stocks and bonds, and then if you really want to blow it up, you go to derivatives and forget about it. Then it's over. So, you know, and somebody mentioned in here, oh, but the rest of the world doesn't care about the SEC. Well, let me tell you something. Unfortunately, in case you don't realize how the world works, every single country has its own form of the SEC. And so if your SEC is already, you know, moving forward and pushing crypto and technologies and and this kind of organization forward great congratulations to your country we're specifically talking right now more about the u.s particularly in this conversation of tokenization but in general i think the reality is we all know tokenization is coming all the secs of every country will will definitely i think eventually promote and put rules in place apps to condone this and make it happen and uh, and I agree. Yeah, exactly. Mental. That's what I just said. Derivatives is exactly where the real money is at. And when you want to talk about price appreciation of XRP, if it ever gets to the point where it's involved in a piece of that derivatives market, that's when you really, really, truly will see price appreciation apps. But as somebody else said in the chat, and I've been saying in the show, I think we're multi, multi, multi many years away before the before all of this comes in. And when I said it, I mean like five, 10, 15, 20 years before it's all truly there just like amazon right amazon was thirty three hundred dollars 20 years later it wasn't twenty thirty three hundred dollars in year two and i don't think you're going to see the same thing here i think all these things are going to build over time maybe not as long might happen quicker because we're in a different you know the internet's here now but you're probably looking at a good five ten years i think before we see really true true large appreciation numbers and we're seeing the tokenization of assets begin on XRP, but I'm telling you guys, XLM is yet to enter the conversation. And they're one of the only companies that's been able to come into America and meet with people in Washington without any repercussions. But we got 384 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. We're about to get into two key areas of content here. Number one is going to be the founding of XLM and what that means for our community. Number two is going to be how one of the largest banks on the planet just became ISO compliant, now able to use digital assets. But before we do, guys, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and send you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto.
Guys, it is the smartest way to track your crypto, and you get 30 days absolutely free. We already officially started testing, but very, very soon, and I'm talking in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be choosing people from our wait list to beta test the product with us, and I'm really excited about that. So check it out. First link in our bio. Johnny, one of our conversations we had during the Merlin Space last night was where does XLM factor into this whole picture? XLM is one of the companies that's been able to walk into Washington, meet with some of the most important officials, and then walk out feeling better about their product. That's rare in the crypto space. What I do want to break down really briefly is just the founding of XLM and the role that Jed McCaleb plays. So Stellar and Ripple have an ongoing rivalry since McCaleb left Ripple in 2014, following a fallout with other company executives. And we've covered this on his channel before, guys. This was because of a girl. XLM was created because of a relationship. We'll talk about that later on. Interestingly, McCaleb left XRP with a share, which equated to about 9% of the company's total coin supply. For eight years, McCaleb continued dumping his XRP holdings on the open market until he officially emptied his, his account in July of 2022. So 9% of Ripple's total float, which would be about 9 billion tokens, was being dumped on the open market from 2014 until 2022. It bears mentioning that MoneyGram used to be used as Ripple for a major partner. The duo enjoyed interesting collaborations for a few years. While Ripple's huge sums in purchasing MoneyGram stocks, the company used the blockchain's on-demand liquidity product as a solution for cross-border payments. Now, we've talked about this for a while, so I want to get this going, Johnny. First of all, talk about the inception of Stellar. I find that story so interesting. Jed McCaleb started Stellar because of a broken relationship. So it's really interesting for our listeners in. Oh no, he started it just like just like many civilizations fall apart over a woman, right? We all know the story of Helen of Troy. I forgot her name, but she was um whatever her name is, she would be the Helen of Troy of a ripple. Basically, there was a big, you know, there was argument of her position or her role, and it was Jeb's girlfriend. And so obviously things fell nasty, and Jeb said, I'm out of here, and he went and created a he went and created literally direct competition. Because don't forget, I don't think people realize this. Jeb's a developer. He's a very, very smart, technical, highly technical guy. Him, Arthur Brito, and Swartz actually wrote the code for XRP, the ledger. I mean, so they, they, they he, you know, he's no dummy. He's a very, very smart guy. Uh, he's also what I call the Teflon Don of crypto. He must have some connections because he seems to skate, skate away free, or maybe because he wasn't part of the company where they let him go. I don't know. But nonetheless, you know, he went and said, okay, well, then fine. I'll take what I've developed and I'll just recreate it here and I'll call it Stellar. And now, you know, you have two competing technologies um, to, or, you know, similar technologies, I should say, that can do similar things. And so now the question is, where do you find these applications? And the funny thing is we always talk about, we hear lots of stuff of Ripple happening. You don't hear a lot of stuff about Stellar. What I tell you, Abs, and what has everybody been telling you? Companies that are working with things don't tell you who they're using. You hear a lot of discussion of Ripple. You don't hear a lot of XLM. Don't be surprised if XLM is being used in the background, being tested and being built, and nobody's talking about it. Because, again, when you're developing something, we don't tell anybody as we develop Merlin what technologies we're using. We keep that proprietary, right? We don't want our competitors knowing. So don't be surprised if, you know, it's quiet for a reason. Absolutely, Johnny. And we got 393 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to ask the live chat, if you would rather hold XRP from now until 2030, comment a one in the live chat. If you'd rather hold XLM, comment a number two. But Johnny said something very important, Jenna, and I'm going to kick it right back to you here. It said they often don't tell us what they're building on until the product is finished. Well, this is an example of that here. MoneyGram Access is a MoneyGram product powered by the Stellar Network. The solution allows digital wallets and fintech applications to make money available to the unbanked. MoneyGram's Access is a business that offers customers low and cost-effective transactions using USDC on top of the Stellar network. There's a lot that we can get into, Jenna. So I'm going to give the open floor and we'll kick it to Cashflow. Yeah, no, Circle's huge. Like USDC, that's building, building, building on Stellar. We know that we have MoneyGram, Stellar's IBM, you know, that's all interconnected and everything, but it just told you, it told you right there that it's powered by Stellar. Like they are going to use it, it is being used. So, I mean, it's just going to keep growing and evolving and everything like that, but it just makes me even more bullish on the long run. I know the price is boring, but Stellar actually does more transactions than any other blockchain for that way more, I think like double the amount. So, you know, I, I definitely think, yeah, it's slow, but the purpose too it's it's so stable it's it's more stable than a stable coin half the time but you know you want that price to not fluctuate like crazy whenever you're sending it um 
however, wherever you're sending it to. And of course, it only takes seconds. It's the same exact thing as XRP. Only, yeah, they um they pushed it a little bit further. Andrew Castle, I'd like to get your thoughts as well. MoneyGram came in the second that Ripple was sued by the SEC and absorbed this MoneyGram partnership. So I just want to give you the open floor. I think we're going to see a huge migration away from Ethereum and into better products. Is this an example of that? Mm, possibly. You know, everybody is looking at costs. And we have we had such a bad experience with Ethereum, and that's not solved yet. I mean, because we saw Ethereum prices skyrocket. Uh, uh, it, it, it was insane. And let, let me, uh, and, and you know, an XRP and XLM, they solve that problem because they are cheap transferable money. But let, let me give you a short example. Recently, Binance is kicked out, out, the, out of the Netherlands. You know, they, they withdraw and, but my girlfriend still had uh, euros on their account in Binance. And then, yeah, we said, yeah, how, how do I get my, my money out? Because you cannot transfer euros over a blockchain. So, yeah, of course, you can transfer it in USDT or USDC, but that also takes a lot of uh, transmission costs. So what we did, we transferred our euros in XLM, transferred the XLM to Coinbase Netherlands, there uh, uh, exchanged it back to euros, and then it was uh, able to cash out. Transmission costs, four cents, maybe? Wow. Something like that. You know, it's yeah. fantastic. But, you know, you should know the, the way a little bit. And that's what, what these people are doing. And, and yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Ethereum is not suitable, is not made for, uh, for this kind of many transactions and also not for, uh, for online uh, or, or on-demand liquidity. It's, it's just another functionality. And I'm really uh, curious. I mean, there is a lot of development on, uh, on the Ethereum blockchain. But do not underestimate also a partner or a, a party like uh, like XLM. There is a lot happening there in that world. Johnny Crypto, one of the biggest topics that I took from our conversation last night during the Merlin Spaces is there's only two blockchains that really are not built for payments. That would be Bitcoin and Ethereum. All of these other, and, and I'm, I'm massively generalizing here, guys, so bear with me. Most of these other blockchains that have been developed since 2015 have better technology than the top two that sit atop of this market, Johnny. So I want to ask you, how long until we see a massive migration away from Ethereum, put Bitcoin to the side, and into real assets like XLM, XRP, or even XPR that we discussed last night? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things where uh, Ethereum's entrenched in smart contract capability, and they'll 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 migrate from that, or they'll update, or they'll have other layers that will always, I think, keep that engine active. <clears throat> but it's not scalable, at least not Ethereum won't, won't be scalable, and it wasn't designed to handle you know stuff like that. So you're absolutely right, and they were right. Bitcoin, Ethereum have a separate, completely separate use cases. Uh, they were the first trials, and like any first generation, it's never the best. Um, and new technologies will, will, will certainly outpace it and change it. Um, but you know, I think some of them will be here. They'll stay here. Abs. I, I think Bitcoin will be here for a long, long time. To be honest with you, as as uh, Larry said, it is seen as an international asset. It's really a common denominator for like gold, right? If you think you go to every country and you look at currencies, every country has its own currency. But the one common denominator is gold. Everybody uses gold. Same thing. Gold is gold. Same kind of thing. Bitcoin, kind of, almost to some degree has that same notation where it's like, hey, if you're in France or you're in Germany or you're in Australia, or you're outside, Bitcoin's Bitcoin. You say it, they're going to know what it is. So to me, I think for that reason, Bitcoin will have lasting power. For Ethereum, it's going to be one of those things where it's more of a, you know, a smart contract kind of thing. And you'll just see multiple layers built on to help scale it up. And so the question is, how long will it last? I think it'll be here to stay for quite some time, but there will certainly be new technologies that will supersede it to do things better, efficient, and more, you know, faster. Jenna, one of the biggest topics that we've had that's unrelated to XRP this morning is that Coinbase was selected by BlackRock and Fidelity as their official surveillance partner. So before we get into the details of the article, we talked a little bit about it last night. Are we going to see a day where BlackRock and Fidelity come out and support Coinbase against the SEC for offering unregistered securities? What do you think? Uh, I, I totally think so because, you know, BlackRock and Coinbase are kind of like partnering up. So I definitely can see that happening. And you've got to have these big guys coming together to take on the SEC. And it was kind of like one of those things you go down the rabbit hole like we did last night. Of, you know, why are they doing this? You know, why is the SEC coming after XRP whenever it's supposed to be 
you know, this whole thing maybe used with bed now, et cetera. But, you know, I definitely think that we will see that happen. I think that it might work. Coinbase might actually end up being the chosen one. So my hopes are very high for that. Andrew Castle, I'm excited to get your opinion on this article. We got over 400 live listeners joining us. Thank you for being here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Coinbase was aware of securities laws violations. The SEC is claiming in a new letter. Coinbase had allegedly been aware of their violations for several years, Andrew Cashflow, and the SEC stated that Coinbase is a multi-billion dollar entity advised by sophisticated legal counsel, and they're deliberately ignoring more than 75 years of controlling law under the Howey test in an attempt to construct its own test for what constitutes an investment contract. Are we witnessing this, Andrew? I just want to get your take. We are looking at we're looking at the adoption of Bitcoin, but the most powerful three-letter agency in America when it comes to securities is telling us no. So what is on your mind? And then I'll give my take. You know, what? Well, my mind is, I mean, Gary Gensler is pretty much in the fire. So, uh, so he has to take attention away. And I, I'm sure those, those managing directors and CEOs from BlackRock, from Fidelity, from SEC, CFDC, they all know each other. Yeah, so it's pretty simple and easy just to make a phone call. What should we do? What should we do? Now, maybe do this because we, we have to figure it out. You know what they have to figure out? Buying time. And this is a way to buy time. And I think it's, an whole, it's a whole made up play to, 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 to delay the, 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 whole, the whole game with, with the cryptocurrencies because the, the major players are not ready yet. And it, it's to give the public something that they can can chew on and and you know but 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 what you already said in this uh, in this low level bitcoin area uh the all those all those parties already loaded their bags with bitcoin and and and, and other cryptocurrencies or what you think but but they still need time and to have they have to delay the process that's my thought when i see something like this Thank you, Andrew Cashflow and Johnny Crypto. I'm really excited to have this conversation here because XRP has been two major discussions, settlement token and reserve currency. What we often discuss is the settlement token aspect of this. And here's another guy, very, very smart, breaking it down. Important economies are at these BRICS conferences. They've announced that they're working on some kind of uh, global settlement currency. And, and uh, I would make the distinction uh, between a payment currency and a reserve currency. People tend to confuse the two. They tend to talk about the reserve currency status. That's the tough nut to crack. It, it, it can happen. Sterling used to be the main reserve currency. It lost its role between 1914 and 1944. But that took 30 years. Um, now the dollar may be losing its role. That's going to be a slow process. But the payment currency is different. You could use almost anything as a payment currency, assuming the parties agree. So they may come up with uh, an international uh, payment currency backed by a basket of commodities, and they're all commodity producers. You know, Russia has oil, natural gas. Saudi Arabia has oil. Brazil uh, again has oil, but also large agricultural output, largest uh, uh, or second largest soybean producer in the world. Um, Africa has you know, enormous mineral outputs, etc. So you go around the, the membership, and uh, you, you can see that. They've got the commodity, potential commodity backing for that. Um, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, SCO, is a Central Asian group led by Russia and China. But again, they're attracting new members. They're working on something similar. Um, so, Johnny, I didn't realize how boring this was until I played it on air. What he's really describing here, guys, is how BRICS nations are coming together, creating a new currency that is backed by assets, and then launching that to the world. Well, the most complicated aspect of that, Johnny, it's not the currency itself. It's the means of settlement. And we do not think that XRP could be chosen as a reserve currency, but XRP is built for instant settlement. So let, I'm going to ask you this question. Could we see a situation where the, where the United States is doing one thing when it comes to settlement tokens and the rest of the world is utilizing, utilizing them for their true purpose? Uh, I mean, certainly that's a potential scenario. I don't, I can, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, I think you're going to have, this is the thing. You've got a bunch of different countries all over the place doing a bunch of different things. And so, oh, you know, it's going to take a long time for all this to whittle its way out to where we're truly going to be abs and what's really going to happen and what's going to really work long-term. And, you know, you saw them eventually come up with a SWIFT system and that kind of became the thing that locked into place and, uh, and it's been here for a very long time. So the question is what will be 
the replacement for that. And I, and I think it's hard to, to, to lock in and say it's going to be one particular solution. I, I don't believe it will be. Um, it wasn't that boring, but I guess, you could. but I mean, the point he was trying to make though, is that the, you're right. The reserve currency is, that's a very tricky thing. And that's not going to be, you know, a blockchain. I think it'll be a basket. of It's either going to be the one or it's going to be a basket of currencies. But in terms of a settlement payment currency, certainly you're right. Abs XRP is designed and it certainly can be an option or a choice for people to consider. No doubt about it. You know, and in the end, eh, when there is the BRICS currency and there is still the US dollar, there will be an exchange rate between the two of them. And, and I hope XRP will be in the middle to transfer money from BRICS currency to dollar and vice versa. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world when there is a second uh, uh, world reserve currency. They just still we are living on one planet. We have to work together and, and it will and it will work out. I'm, I'm sure. Absolutely, Andrew. And I do want to get your thoughts on this video as well. Elon Musk is in the thumbnail. And for good reason, guys, Tesla owns Bitcoin. Elon Musk owns Bitcoin. But we're yet to see the machine be activated when it comes to endorsing the currency. I think in the next 24 months, we're going to see guys like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg talk about how they never realized how important Bitcoin was. But here's the beginning of that conversation. Like, you know, mathematically, uh, we don't see any way, for example, for uh, AI to... Um, subvert the fundamentals of mathematics and say, uh, figure out how to hash Bitcoin, uh, you know, uh, 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 easily. Um, it's, it's like, it's not as uh, AI can't, can't defy fundamental math. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you can improve the efficiency of Bitcoin hashing algorithms in the Silicon, but, it, but, but, but not, not fundamentally crack it. Johnny Crypto, between running SpaceX, the boring company, and Tesla, where does Elon Musk find time to study crypto? I do not know. But how do you feel about this video? I think we're yet to see names like Elon Musk be activated. Um, you know, he's, he's a very, very smart man. But, you know, the thing is, to some degree, the way I think about it is humans write code. Humans wrote the AI code. Humans know math a certain way. I mean, we know the fundamentals of math. So... Unless some other human wrote some other different way for it to work, I, I I kind of do tend to agree with them that I'm not so sure AI can create a whole new mathematical system that then could disrupt and solve you know the hashing of Bitcoin differently or faster, right? But maybe it can, but I don't see logically how it could unless there was some other form of AI. Maybe AI can write a new AI and it could subvert it. I don't know, but I don't. I think it would be. I think he's right. I think it'd be a little difficult. You know, and, and when it happens, you will see signs that it will start to happen. And we have an enormous amount of very intelligent people on this planet. They will find other and new mathematical formulas to to combat that. And that that sure. the same that like we have fear for quantum computing. Oh, quantum computing, and it will uh, hack everything. You know, we will find something that 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 will also be safe again. So I would not be so uh, so worried at all. Well, you're, you're right, Andrew, because when quantum computing comes, yes, it can crack all the old stuff that was done. But then when quantum computing is here, they'll create new systems on quantum computing that quantum computing won't be able to crack. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's That's exactly how technology evolution works over time, I think, is you'll find that that you know the newer technologies can crack the old stuff but it's got it, it won't be able to crack there'll always be something protected the technology will continue to evolve i agree with you Andrew. johnny crypto i look forward to the day i, I can mine bitcoin out of the back of my tesla and put it right yeah. in <laughs> but guys i got one last video i want to play for our listeners out there this is 90 seconds and for our xrp holders please pay close attention here i just thought i'd stop in and show you all something real fast see this right here fna 208 views two weeks ago. Interesting. FNA is a trusted organization by the world's largest central banks, government authorities, commercial banks, and financial infrastructures. Oh, would you look at that? Look at all those interesting market participants right there. They can't all be systematically important. Right? I just want to pause it for a brief second. On this list, we got the Bank of International Settlements. We've got SWIFT. We've got the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. Department of Defense, as well as HSBC. So huge names. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Check this out. Look at that. Hmm. Whoa. What's that right there? Must be there by accident. I don't know. Department of Treasury. 
Department of Defense, Payments Canada, mm, FNA. FNA, what? Central Bank Training. Oversight and Innovation in Payments and Settlements. Interesting. Okay. Whoa. What? Ripple used FNA to simulate the liquidity needs of banks interacting over a network. I wish I had played this earlier in the show, Johnny, but this ties in perfectly to the video we played from the BIS. The BIS already stated earlier this week, we need third-party currencies for settlement. Well, what are these documents showing, guys? The BIS is indirectly involved in a Ripple pilot here. I think it's very safe to assume what I'm insinuating. Johnny, close us out. Yeah, I mean, I love this guy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Make sure you share, copy me on, tag me on that tweet. But, uh, you know, very, very fascinating and, and great job in, you know, finding these connections. I always caution everybody, though, to always take them with a grain of salt because, you know, again, we're very early on and there are going to be connections. There are going to be trials. The real question is which ones become adopted. So let's remember to always look at trial and adoption, two different things, but always a very, very good sign when your technology is being trialed. So I love it, Abs. I love the connection. It gets me excited. It's very, very great to see these tie-ins together and obviously fna leveraging ripples technology and doing trials with central bank that that's very very meaningful uh potentially in my mind very exciting guys and we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests thank you to jenna x thank you to andrew Castlow, and thank you to johnny crypto the man himself we got 391 listeners out there do us a favor hit that like button so the algorithm can pump this out to as many people as possible we got Waters Above joining the show this Wednesday. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors.